0: at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Rafael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching.
1: Hi, I'm Sifu Rafael, and this is the Coaching Call podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy my show, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. To donate, go to paypal.me slash raphael That's S-I-F-U-R-A-F-A-E-L. I'm trying to keep this podcast free of advertisements. Anything you can donate is greatly appreciated. Thank you.
0: What brings on sickness and illness is stress and inflammation.
1: My guest today is Kevin Roth. Kevin is an international known singer, writer, and dulcimer player. Kevin has recorded over 50 recordings, won numerous awards, sang the theme to the hit PBS show, Shining Time Station, and been recognized by major companies for his unique talent. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me on Coaching Call. How are you today?
0: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
1: I really appreciate you being with me today. You're all the way in San Diego. Beautiful weather, most of all year, right? Yep. Have you lived in San Diego your whole life?
0: No, I lived here about 20 years ago for about three years. Uh, But I was a very different person back then. I had actually retired from the music business.
2: Mm, Gotcha.
0: Gained a lot of, uh, kind of fame and money so I could afford to live here. But then I, I moved to Florida, thinking it was cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> so I moved back here in 2016. Gotcha. Kind of been-
1: You've, I guess, gone full circle, if you will, because you were in the music industry. You, I guess you were famous, right, for, for your music. And, and that, that can definitely have an impact on, on your life but then you've had a lot of other things impact your life. What I'd love to talk to you about to begin with, and then we can full circle everything, is how did you start as a young man, as a boy? When was your first passion for music? When did you realize it, that that was a gift that you had and you can share with the world? Um, because you've done a lot with it. And it's, it's something that you are obviously gifted with it. But it didn't stop there. You realize later on that you had other gifts that you can share with people. So I'd love to hear your story, if you will.
0: There are two things I realized when I was very, very, very young, and I was very clear about. One was that I was born with a gift for music. So I played the piano by ear from the age of about three. Wow. And I saw the dulcimer when I was 13 and knew that uh, this was my magic carpet ride. And uh, I wanted a recording career, and a TV, and to be well-known. So I saw the dulcimer at 13, and I got my first record deal at 15.
1: Wow. So tell us what a dulcimer
0: is. Well, I'll show you. This is the dulcimer. It's a folk instrument. It's very pretty. And I sell these, not this particular model, but I sell them, I teach them, I have about 50 recordings, and I developed something called Dulcie meditation mm. with it. So music has been a constant for various reasons. But the second thing I knew as a very young child, and I don't know how I knew this, I, kn- I had a hunch that this world wasn't real, that this seemed like a dream. Mm. Uh, nothing made sense. Right. The moon didn't fall, the stars didn't fall. How did I get here? What was I doing here? So I think I was born a really old soul and have spent my entire life searching for what that was until I I discovered it in my, well, I guess it was in my very late 50s. But everything leading up to my 50s was really about that search of knowing who I was.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So I thought that fame and fortune would buy me happiness. I thought being married or having a relationship would buy me happiness. Um, None of that is true, Hmm. but they were the lessons along the road to end up uh, where I am today. I call it a creative life designer because I don't like the word coach.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Absolutely. So back then at 14, 15, when you um, got a, a deal, what kind of music were you doing? And was it just Playing, playing the instrument, or was it singing? What was it?
0: It was both, but when people usually get a musical instrument that's unusual, it comes with an instruction book. Mm-hmm. For lessons, And I had none of that, so I just kind of did my own thing on it. And that's why I was signed, and how I became known as one of the world's innovative dulcimer players mm-hmm. and, and singers. I don't think it was because I was uh, brilliant. I think it's because... I just took my own road. I didn't follow and have never followed the traditional route, even with personal coaching. Right. I just, I I go with my gut and I do what I feel as an artist. So I stood out and that's why I got signed. Be- being that,
1: you know, you have the instrument at hand, would you mind playing a little bit, maybe singing for us a little bit? I mean, I know that's a big request and uh, I'm sure my audience would love to hear what it sounds like And, and, you know what you were about.
0: Well, singing, uh, I would have been prepared for. I'm going to lean this down. I don't know how well my voice is, because I haven't done any warming up with it. Uh, but this is what it sounds like. This is what Dulce meditation is. Okay. So, it's you know, I can play things like Somewhere with a Rainbow. But Dulce meditation is for beginners and advanced players. It's very simple. It's so... The idea of Dulce meditation is that you're lullabying your mind, which is the problem in life, and you're giving it sort of a pacifier of music. While you are playing, you ask the universe or whatever you want to call it for guidance. Mm. So your inner voice is able to communicate with you without the mind chattering and coming in. And saying, "Oh, don't do that," or "Oh, we should do that." Right, right. It's it's quieted by you playing a very simple melody, and that's how I've come up with all the right decisions—the mm. right decisions, not the wrong ones—the right decisions when I do Dulcie meditation, and that's why I teach it.
1: All right. By by the way, that was beautiful when you played. Oh, thank That yeah, really was, and it—I I can feel the meditation because it's so calm. Right. It definitely was.
0: Yes. I, you know, I made a recording finally called "Dulce Meditation." It's on iTunes or one of those things, and I put the sound of the rain behind it. Mm. So it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a long recording. It's one long cut, but yeah, nice, nice. It's very, very meditative. My engineer almost fell asleep recording it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, he went into a deep meditation. Is more like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You you have gone through all these things. You teach people. You created this whole thing. What prompted all that?
0: You know, music can be a coping med- uh, You know, medium. Right. And I had a rough childhood, so music was my... Uh, Escape? Serenity boat, yeah. Mm. Uh, I didn't know that it was a form of meditation, but later when, in 2016, out of the blue, I was diagnosed with stage 3 melanoma, which there's mm. currently no cure for. Right and given a death sentence of to live about two years. Mm. So I, I had two small surgeries, really kind of small, uh, in the sense that I've been in dentist chairs with more agony. <laughs> right. um, and they removed the cancer, and they said there was a 70% chance it would come back. Uh, I didn't believe them, and I was right, because it never did. But what I did during that year of waiting is I changed my story. and. What I mean by that is, and this is what I teach people, is you create what you want in your mind. Mm-hmm. Because your mind doesn't know the difference between reality That's and non-reality, right? So if I tell your audience to suck on a lemon right now in your mind, you're going to start salivating. Your mind doesn't know it. So when you create the story and you believe it and you live it, even if it hasn't happened yet, like I want to be out of debt. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not going to be out of debt that second. But as you constantly feel, and that's the word, feel yourself out of debt, you will eventually get out of debt if you stick to your story. So I created a new story. I was living in the Midwest. I was working actually uh, on an album at the time. And uh, when I finished the project, I said, I'm going to California. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to be able to afford it, um, but I'm going to do it. And I'm going to live a bohemian lifestyle. So I Mm. I discovered what meant what really meant something to me, and that was my dog and my music mm. that was it it wasn 't fame it wasn't fortune it wasn't any of that stuff, which becomes pretty insignificant when you think you're going to die or when you're old you're going to die mm-hmm. and I moved out to California, and the cancer never came back i 'm healthier and happier now than i 've ever been and uh, someone said you should teach what you did mm. And it never dawned on me uh, to do that. Right. And so I started to about six months before COVID hit. And then COVID came and everybody was stressed out. And one of the things mm. that I teach people is how not to be stressed out right. and not to be stuck with techniques that work immediately. Mm. There are breathing techniques. There are ways of thinking differently so that you don't need to suffer. So I started to begin to coach and teach people how to do that. And I've been doing that ever since.
1: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You know, what, one of the things, and, and I'm sure this is why you changed, because you decided that when you were giving this, this awakening, if you will, to your life, you decided to live it unlike so many people nowadays walking around like zombies who are just going day by day. And it's like Groundhog Day all over again for everyone. But you're doing something different. You're doing something that you feel your purpose, that you found your happiness, right?
0: Yeah. One of the comments I get from a lot of my clients is the reason that they think that I'm a very good coach is because I live what I preach. Mm. Every day I decide what to do. And I'm also very realistic. There are days that are difficult for me. Mm-hmm. But I know how to get out of them. I can go hiking. I can do Dulcie meditation. And I talk about my highs and my lows with my clients. You know, one of the rules of coaching is, number one, don't ever talk about yourself. And number two, don't talk about your problems. I think that's bullshit because we're human beings. We
1: are.
0: And it helps a great deal when someone who is in the know says, oh, I don't know. Right. It, it, it It opens up.
1: It makes you human.
0: The human. Yeah. Yeah. And then I tell them how I resolved it.
1: That's the key right there. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Because you know what? Now they go, okay, you know what? I went through that or I'm going through that, but he's already done it. And that's the kind of coach I want. I want a coach who admits that they're not perfect, that they admit that, yes, they've had a situation. And then... These are the steps I took to resolve it. And I think that's what makes a better coach.
0: Yeah, that's why I call what I do creative life designing because you are creating a life by your own design and you, you walk into it. You know, people think it's very hard to change and it's harder to stay where you are. I give most of my clients in the very beginning permission to be who they really are. Yeah.
1: And sometimes they don't know who they are,
0: they have no clue. Most have no clue. And, and, and for reasons, for good reasons. You know, many of them are are women who have uh, been uh, married, uh, raised a family, and never had a chance to explore their individuality. They, uh, you know, I call it, it's called role to soul. So they have a role of being an executive or a mom or a wife, but that's what their role is. But who are they at the soul level? Mm -hmm. Are they artists? Are they healers? Are they communicators? And that's the fun. That's the fun in life.
1: That is the fun, you know, one of the things in, uh, you know, one of the things I talk about is habits and your actions. And a lot of the habits that we have were formed by other people. And if we don't make it our own habit, then we can't really hold on to it. We make it our own and the actions that we take behind them. So for example, you know, when, when you're a toddler Your parents are creating your habits. They're telling you what to do. They're writing your code. And then you start creating your own a little bit. And then you go to school and they stop you from doing things that maybe you want to do, but you're not allowed to do because now you're in a situation where you have to conform. And then you become a teenager and you break the code and you get crazy and you do all these different things. And then later on, you become a young adult. And you realize that maybe you made some mistakes trying to write your own code. And now you, once again, you start working for someone and you have to live by their laws, by their code. And then so eventually, as you mentioned, people have to start writing their own story, their own code, their own laws of what's going to make them happy. So I totally get where you're coming from.
0: I I believe everything you said, the big missing link is, do you want it bad enough? Are you willing to start new habits and stick to them? So a lot of my clients come to me to lose weight because it's never about the food. It's not what you eat, it's what's eating you. So we work together uh, in understanding why they're eating and how they don't need to feel deprived and they lose weight. How I I believe in intermittent fasting, how that really works on many levels besides uh, losing weight. So once they discover those things and they work with them, they see the results and then they hit roadblock, you know, like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry, you know, so what do I do? So right before this podcast, I normally don't eat till 11 o'clock and my instinct said that I needed to have something to eat before.
2: Right.
0: So, you know, there's no hard and fast rules. I don't feel guilty for doing it, but I know myself and I know how to listen to what my inner voice is telling me for guidance.
1: Yeah. And- and- you know, listening to that voice is, is sometimes important. A lot of people, um, they shush that voice. They shut it down. And, and they don't think that maybe they're worthy of listening because of society, what society is telling us to do, right? Other people.
0: Yeah, I, I find that most of that is fear. Mm-hmm. And Of course, fear is false evidence appearing real. They're, they're afraid to listen uh, most people can't sit down for 3 minutes and not check their cell phone
1: that's for sure
0: so but all of all of this is is once you get it you can change it because mm-hmm. when you change the way you look at things the things you look at change so that's why I always use the lemon example if you tell your mind you're you're sucking on a lemon your body's going to react right. if you tell yourself i don't need to be unhappy about the situation because it's temporary and it's going to change and I have more power over it, and I know exactly what to do to get out of it. Yeah. Then you experience it, and then it becomes fun. Right.
1: So you, you talk about the mind-body connection, mm-hmm. because I believe it's, it's very connected, but some people are not. It's almost like they're walking around like a zombie, like I said before. How do you help someone make that connection?
0: Well, some people need facts. They need science. Mm-hmm. So then I turn them to epigenetics, which is the science of all of them. Uh, some people are okay with not knowing the science. And then we go through a series of examples of when they think with fear, they can feel the tension in their body. So I teach, in fact, I give away free on my website a stress buster uh, video. It's five minutes,
2: mm.
0: teaches is your breathing technique. So they see and they feel the results. They do feel calmer and they say, okay, that feels better than feeling anxiety. So how is the mind connected to the body? Well, I now know that if I get upset and I stay stressed out, I have an upset stomach, tension. When I let it go and I surrender it, I'm happier. I look better. I don't emotionally eat mm-hmm. those kinds of things. And everybody's different in, in that way. You know, everyone comes with a unique set of situations that I work with.
1: Right. Well, how long would you say is someone's first session when they come to you? Um, they're looking for some, maybe they heard about you. How long would you do their first session? And then how long are each session um, after that?
0: Well, the very first session is absolutely free because it's a consultation. And if people go to kevinroth.org, you can fill out a small form and get that. And what that does is it establishes for me and the potential person I'll be working with whether we're a good match because I don't work with everybody. I, I'm not, I, I have no interest in being a rocket star coach. In fact, I will only work with eight people at a, at a month. That's mm-hmm. all because I'm the kind of coach that thinks about my clients throughout the week. So I need time for myself and them. And then if we start working together, the initial sign-up period is for six months because it takes three months to figure out what matters to them, why it matters to them, to kind of undo certain ways of thinking. Mm. But the average client stays, well, I've only been doing it two and a half years. The average client has been with me uh, just a little over two years. So, and the only reason that people will continue to pay and show up and do the work is if they see results. Correct. So, and I, I have let several clients go because they're not doing the work, because it's not about the money to me. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, you know, standing ovations and concerts are great, but seeing a client with tears in their eyes thanking me at the end of our sessions is way better to me.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it, it connects. The reason that I believe I didn't die of cancer, you know, the reason I was in that 30% group of people that made it and flourished, right. I honestly believe was to do the work I'm doing now.
1: What was your, your initial feeling when you were diagnosed, when you were told?
0: Well, I, I had waited for the test results for over a week. Hmm. And I hadn't heard and I hadn't heard. And my father had passed away a couple of years before. And the night before I heard, I was looking at a picture of him and almost as if he was in the room, Mm. I felt him tell me, you're going to hear tomorrow and it's going to be bad. You're going to be okay, but it's going to be really rough. And the next morning at nine o'clock, I got the call from the doctor and said, you need to get in here quickly. And and I work on a very kind of almost psychic level with people, which is why I like Zoom, because I I have some sort of an ability to look into people and to see what they're saying is not matching what they're feeling. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't do that all the time, but I do that during sessions. So when I was told the news, I knew immediately that I was not going to, that I had to find the right doctor. So fear came up, uh, which is normal. I wasn't doing coaching at this point, right. but I ended up doing a very deep spiritual nosedive to find out the answers that i had been searching for my whole life. You know, I was just telling someone the other night, I once did a, a, a long concert tour, and I made a lot of money, uh, very well received, and I would go back to my hotel every night and I would ask myself, you picked the songs, Kevin. You got the standing ovation. You got paid. People bought your records. Why are you so unhappy? Mm. Couldn't figure it out. I went to psychiatrists. I went to therapists. I tried meditation. Couldn't, f- couldn't figure it out because everybody said, oh, have gratitude. Right. You're so talented. You're making people happy. It didn't matter. didn't
1: make you happy.
0: Cancer, yeah, cancer did. Because what happened is through the spiritual nosedive, I found out that this body is not really who I am. This body is a manifestation of what I call the substratum. Some people call God, Jesus, Buddha, or whatever you want to call it. And science backs that up with quantum physics. Uh, so there's the dream world we live in, and then there's who we really are, which is a whole other conversation. But that's the shift, and that's what happened to me. Uh, in very strange and unusual ways, but when I finally got to figure it out, everything changed. So I don't, I don't suffer. I'm not, I'm rarely stressed out, and uh, I enjoy my work. You know, but I, I create my days.
1: So you, you, you took the red pill.
0: I did. I took it. <laughs> I took a couple of them.
1: <laughs> Morpheus gave you the red pill. So. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's very interesting, and especially talking to you when, when people realize and they think, everyone else thinks that someone is happy because they're doing what they would like to do. Mm-hmm. But that does not necessarily mean they are, and you are not. But you found your happiness when you actually started developing that deep spiritual connection, I believe. Am I right?
0: Yeah, uh, what I discovered was very simple. Happiness is our is our natural state. So to simplify it, the Buddhists say, "No mind, no problem.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Mind is the problem. The mind is a is a monkey mind." So when you say when things come up, this is how my mind is perceiving it, but it's not real because what's real does not change. It doesn't come and go. It stays. So what's real? There's only one thing that's real, and, and that's that substrat. That doesn't come and go. Mm-hmm. We're born, we die, whatever happens. So what's the point in getting caught, in, in getting caught up in stuff?
2: Yeah.
0: It doesn't do anything. What brings on sickness and illness is stress and inflammation.
2: Yeah.
0: I just work with that principle, but I'm very forgiving of myself because I learned that I didn't have any empathy or compassion for myself Mm. Uh, I was always an A type personality. I wanted a TV show. I wanted to be a millionaire. I wanted a record deal. I wanted all that stuff. Right. You can't do that being passive. But when I got the cancer, I ran into people who were very compassionate towards me. And it dawned on me I'm not even compassionate to myself.
2: Right.
0: So I thought if you're going to really surrender to the idea of uh, this infinite, Power or possibility. You need to cut yourself a break because this is just Minecraft. Mm-hmm. So that's when the shift happened, or some people call it hitting bottom. But you don't have to hit bottom to to get there. Right. Right. You don't. Okay. You don't need to do it. it. You know. These are these are very simple techniques. And I'll tell you something really interesting. Everything that I learned on my own, I later discovered had already been taught in books by Deepak Chopra and all these other people. Mm. And I asked myself one day, wouldn't it have been easier if you had just read those books Mm -hmm. and saved time? And the answer was no, because there's book learning and there's uh, street learning. So everything I do and everything I teach is from 100% experience. Books and going to coaches like yourself and myself are good pointers. But we have to look inside ourselves. And and it it can be fun. It doesn't have to be difficult.
1: Right. It's like the child who, uh, who gets burnt anyway, even though they were told you're going to get burnt, but they have to experience it for themselves. And, and I think that, yes, it's, it's a good idea to learn from people who've already done it. But certain experiences we need to feel. We need to experience it for ourselves. We need to have that touchy feeling. We need to have that experience. Like you will never know what it feels like to drop from 75 feet down in a quick second, just drop, unless you do it, right? You won't know what it feels like to to dive into a pool by reading a book. You actually have to dive into the pool to get that full feeling. I mean, someone, an author, can really be very descriptive, but you won't have the experience.
0: That's right, yeah. It's all about the feeling. Yeah, yeah.
1: You keep saying that you don't like the word coach. Tell me why.
0: Well, I guess I've talked to a lot of uh, what I would consider bad coaches.
1: Mm, Likewise.
0: (laughs) Uh, A lot of clients have come to me from coaches that have done a lot of damage. This is not the kind of work that you can take a course Mm. and hang a plaque on your wall and do. This is difficult work. It's fun. You have to be all about the client. You can't be about yourself. And you have to know, you have to have a subtle awareness when to step in and when not to step in, when to let the client come up with the answers for themselves, and when to tweak subtle things. There's someone who tried to sell me on a a promote your coaching package.
1: All the time, every day almost.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be a rock star. I can't think of nothing. Yeah, it, it makes me sick. To think about that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, when we when I work with people, I take on a certain amount of their energy, and they usually always come to each session with with a little angst on their face.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They've done some work and they don't understand it. At the end of each session, they always look happier and calmer, and that's my goal. Um, I can't do that with ten clients a day. Right. Uh, I have no interest in making a hundred thousand um, dollars a month as a. you know someone said well when are you going to make a new record man you should be out on tour now that COVID's over I have no interest in it Mm -hmm. you know well what's your legacy dude my legacy is I have 50 albums out there in the world and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing now and I'm using the dulcet so the coach is and I don't know that it should be regulated or not regulated Mm -hmm. Um, you know like you you can't cut hair without a license but you know I know a lot of bad hairdressers you know.
2: Or
0: <laughs> yeah. And also coaching is a, uh, everybody is uh, becoming a coach. And I think you need to, uh, you know, when they find out that they don't make it, which weeds out the bad, mm-hmm. the bad ones or the ones that, that this is not cut out for, right. that may be very good at it. The ones that last are the ones that know how to make it work on both ends. That's, that's why I like Creative Life Designer for myself because I'm creative and I teach people how to think creatively and to design a life that they love.
1: That, that's why I started this coaching call podcast because, you know, with the pandemic, I mean, I, I, I was calling them coaches as roaches. They're everywhere. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so for me, I want to bring coaches who are doing the work, who are able to truly. Help someone because we've been coached our whole lives, whether we liked like it or not. Our parents, our caretakers, our teachers in school. When somebody does me wrong, they're coaching me. You know, so I see every opportunity to be coached, whether they want to or not. Right now, you're coaching me. You're telling me about things, so I'm listening to the words you speak, how you speak them. So to me, everyone impacts my life. It's the messages I allow to penetrate. That's that's everything for me. And so when I when I deal with my clients, I'm trying to guide them, but it ultimately it is their decision as to what messages they receive. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I think when the student is ready, the teacher shows up. You know, right. um, I was interviewed by another coach not so long ago who became a client. Hmm. And I agree with you. I was talking to a, a really lovely guy. I think he was in New Zealand. He had a podcast. And uh, I was thinking, you know, I should call him sometime and talk because we're on the same wavelength. But he yeah. sees things slightly differently. And uh, he loved what I said. I loved what he said. And I was going to say, you know, maybe we should talk to each other, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, it's it's all fascinating.
1: It really is. And when we think about the mind, right, and you talked about, we can become anyone we want to because the mind doesn't know. The messages that you allow in is what's creating what our thoughts are. And if we put the right thoughts into our mind, if we use our subconscious to really create the person we want to be, then we're golden, right?
0: Yeah. And the key there, like you said, is you have to really want to be it. You can't, just put out there, I want to be rich. Why? You know, I have a client who makes a ton of money. He's a young kid. And he—we've just, we've just begun to work together. And I said, why do you want to make more money? He said, so that I can make more money. But you're not happy. So what makes you happy? Well, making money. So for him, it's a process of breaking things down. Mm. Of course, he comes from a, a family that was all about that. So that's patterning. Uh, Now, he's beginning to, I I can see in his face when I talk to him, begin to think a little differently and say, oh, okay, well, when is enough enough? He asked me the other day. Did he? (laughs) Hey, That's a breakthrough, you know? Sure. But you have to feel it. You have to love what you do. Uh, And it can be the subtlest thing. I had a client who wanted to be a potter, but she couldn't afford, she thought, to be a potter. Her husband said, where are we going to do it? It's messy. How are you going to get the money? Where are you going to take lessons? And I said, why don't you just, I said, do you really want to be a potter? And she said, my whole life. I said, then go to a pottery school and volunteer to help. And she did. And then she got connected and she volunteered to go with some of the other potters to the craft fair. And she networked. And now she's a potter. (laughs) So where there's a will there's a way. Yeah. Everything that works seems to be seems to be very, very simple. Right. We the mind complicates it because it likes agitation. But here's one for you, the mind doesn't even exist. Where's the mind? You know, if I ask you where your mind if I ask people where their mind is, they say, Well, somewhere in my brain. But if you dissect a brain, you'll never find a mind. You yeah. can't hold a mind. So everything leads back to some form of spirituality. Mm-hmm. That's the end result to everything. Yeah. And what is that? And that's an individual personalized search. Oh, sorry about that. That's okay. Someone's honking in tribute. Um, <laughs> so I work with people that are Jesus freaks.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I work with a Buddhist. I work with an atheist. And I work with people who don't have a clue. Right. Um, and so it's fun because all of the religions or the spiritual teachers basically say the same thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Even the atheists, they have to believe in something, right?
0: Yeah, most of, most of the atheists that I've come across or listened to believe in something. Correct. And they don't, don't want to call it anything, right. which is fine because what can you call it? Right. How can you describe a god? You know, it doesn't have a form.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's mystical. You know, we, we live in a world where, you know, biocentrism talks about this, where uh, our mo- we, we, we create a world upon what we see. Well, there's many other things going on. So it's a matter of interpretation. It, it's very unusual.
1: It is. It is. And for me, diving deep into what our thoughts, our patterns, our ideas, our habits, those are all the things that create us, who we are, right? It creates you, it creates me, and it creates everyone. But everyone's an individual, and that's the beauty of it, right? That everyone brings in their own ideas, their own agendas, their own beliefs. And it doesn't matter what your religion or your upbringing is; they may be similar, but they're somewhat unique still. And that's that's what I love. That's why I love working with people.
2: Yeah, it's true. Yeah,
1: when you Decided to go back to San Diego. What was the attraction? Mm.
0: Well, I thought if the doctors were right, I wasn't dying in Kansas because uh, they don't allow assisted death. Mm. Uh, California does. Uh, Also, I didn't, I'm, I'm essentially a bohemian artist and California has a beauty and a vibe like no other place in the country. And I've toured all over it. I'm near the ocean, an hour away, or the mountains. I, I'm a big hiker. I like to hike. Nice. Although they're only about an hour, hour and a half hike trips. And I resonated with Southern California at the time. I couldn't afford it, so I said to a friend of mine, who was a realtor, "Can you find me a one-bedroom apartment with parking for a grant thousand a month?" And he laughed. He said, "You can't even get a, a closet
1: for that price." <laughs> yeah.
0: And I said, well, okay, that's his story. My story is I'm finding. And I did. Mm. And I came out here, and I got a part-time job until I figured out what my next move was, because I hadn't started coaching again, and I wasn't doing music uh, at that point. Um, so I it was a struggle for about a year or so. But I was able to make it. It was beautiful. The, the drive from... Kansas to California, you go through Kansas, Colorado, Arizona, and California, it takes three days. And I was in a fog. Mm. It was like, what am I doing? What have I just come out of? I mean, you have to realize that I had just escaped cancer. right? And uh, you know it-
1: Cancer and Kansas.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and so I drove out here in a, in a Jeep with my dulcimers, Couple clothes and my dachshund dog Bosco, mm. uh, and I just was driving to an apartment I'd never seen. I knew a couple people here in San Diego, and um, it was just magical. It, it continues to be magic. Oh, good for you. You know, I recently thought about moving. those Things are going uh, up and up in price, and when I uh, did some Dulce meditation about it, it was very clear: stay in California. Mm. And things work out. Things just work out. You know, Uh, I'm in an apartment that's more expensive now, but I'm making more money. Um, Gas is much higher here. It's Mm. almost $6 a gallon. But now the governor is giving everybody $400 back as a rebate. So everything balances out. Mm -hmm. And wherever you go, there you are. But for me, uh, being near the water and the nature, that's my church.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so happy you found um, your calling and you found the purpose. That you're happy, and you know, and I love the picture behind you with, with uh, your dulcimer and your dog. And yeah,
0: that's, uh, that's it's my cool. album cover from the Davian Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, it's yeah. pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So, thank you so much for today. I mean, I really I learned a lot, and and you you taught me how we all should dig deep into ourselves and just be who we are meant to be,
0: right? Yeah, know who you are. And if, you know, if anyone that's listening resonates with this and wants to get in touch with me, you know, it's a free call. I'm happy to talk with anybody. And if it doesn't feel right with me and them, I have lots of places that I can refer them to or places to go. Yeah, as my friend says, go in peace, not in pieces, right? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I like that. So how can some of my listeners reach out to you?
0: Well, if they're in the United States, uh, they can go to my website, kevinroth.org. I say that because, um, because of all the uh, horrific Russian hacking going on. Mm. There's a little difficulty outside of the country getting to my website, but uh, everyone, anywhere in the world, can reach me through my email, which is kevinroth.org at gmail. Gotcha. Awesome. So if you go to my awesome. website, there's a form, there's a free tape, a uh, stress buster video, absolutely free. The consultation is free. And the right people uh, will will connect with me.
1: Right. And I, I like the fact that you said, and I also, we don't work with everyone because there there has to be and you talked about resonate there has to be that connection without that connection and without the honesty that we can bring to one another I think that that there is nothing if there's not that
0: yeah and as you know, or I'm sure you've experienced each client that becomes a long term client is there to teach you something as well. So uh, they have to have the right energy, you know, if, if they come to me frenetic and crazy. And I see right away, no matter how much they pay me, they're not going to do it. I'm not going to work with them. Right.
1: Not worth your time?
0: No, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy by myself with my dog cooking and listening to jazz.
2: <laughs>
0: I'm hanging out by the ocean doing things that are legal here, but not in Kansas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome. Kevin, thank you again for today. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I enjoy talking with you.
1: Yeah, likewise. And may you have an amazing, amazing rest of your day and go out there and enjoy. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you, if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, go to paypal.me backslash Thank you and I really appreciate
2: your help.